Boom, episode 137. Tim Nielsen, the founder of Adreno, long-time sponsors of the News Show podcast. We get to find out how it all started with the man himself, Tim Nielsen. Coming up quick. Uh, today's going to be a longer intro, just giving you a bit of a quick heads up. If you don't want to listen to about the latest in spearfishing clubs, the latest reviews and shout-outs from the community, then just pump that skip button to about the five-minute mark and you should be near the front of the interview. But I wanted to get into this. Uh, the 2021 US Freshwater National Spearfishing Champs, April 3 at Lake Pleasant in Arizona. Head over to RockyMountainSpearfishing.org to find out more. Fantastic way to improve your spearfishing, no doubt about it. And I'm sure the uh, Freshwater Nationals will be full of absolute champs that uh, love just sharing the stoke of spearfishing. Couple of reviews for 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing on Audible. If you want the book, then go to NoobSpearow.com forward slash Audible to pick it up free along with the 30-day trial of Audible. Uh, Anonymous says, Top effort, guys. This book has changed the way I look at spearfishing and myself in the ocean. Thanks, guys. If this book helps save one person or prevent any injury, and I'm sure it will help countless noobs, then it's worth its weight in gold. Uh, another one says, Knowledgeable gold of Thrash Noobs Fairy Podcast. There's still gold in this audiobook that you won't find in the Noobs Fairy Podcast. If you are even considering getting into spearfishing, get this audiobook. And last one says, amazing book, amazing, must listen if you're getting into spearfishing, check out their podcast to keep you frothing. Awesome, love those reviews. So go to noobspiro.com forward slash audible to pick up that book for free. Now, another thing that's cranking along on the noobspiro.com spearfishing connections page, which is up in the menu, is the club connections. Getting a host of different spearfishing clubs reaching out and telling you about their club. If you want to submit your club because it's not there, Go into the menu at newspiro.com and find out what you need to do. Reach out to me, Shrek, at newspiro.com. But today I wanted to talk about the Mackay Down Under Skin Diving Club. They have more than 50 members. They meet once a month, and it's a fantastic club if you want to check them out. So, again, newspiro.com forward slash spearfishing club connections and check it out. Uh, whew, podcast reviews. I love a good podcast review. This one. Really enjoying the great tips from experienced guests along with the funny humour by underscore underscore slash a have no idea if that has like a anyway i'm getting out of date so um this one from canada if you're looking for quality information tips and tricks and just generally a good laugh this is by far the best podcast i've listened to about recreational freediving and spearfishing i live in alberta canada so as a landlocked province it's hard to get out and drive all the time so it's wonderful to listen to this podcast as i can live vicariously through it that's sent by Hedge W. Ikikibses. Thanks for that, Hedge Ikikibses. Uh, awesome. Hey, let's get right into this podcast. Tim Nielsen, founder of Adreno, longtime sponsors of the News Show podcast. Awesome to finally get him on the show. While I was out doing a charter with these blokes on the Eastern Voyager in the Southern Great Barrier Reef, here we go. This episode of the Noob Spiro Podcast is brought to you by spearfishing.com.au. You might as well check out some gear while you're thinking about spearing and get an idea of what you want to buy later on down the track. Everyone's looking to upgrade something, whether it's your spear gun, your wetsuit, your float. It doesn't matter what it is. Head over to spearfishing.com.au. Fantastic reviews from a whole bunch of people just like you. People that love spearing. If you like, head into the stores. Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney or Perth. There's 70 passionate team members that can give you some help, getting some idea about what to buy next. But uh, the online shopping experience is fantastic too. And if you shop online, for every purchase over $200, if you use the code NoobSpero, you save $20. Thanks for supporting the NoobSpero podcast and shopping with spearfishing.com.au. 
G'day, Noob Spiro community. Um, today I'm joined by the owner of Adreno, Tim Nielsen. Um, Adreno have been sponsoring the show for 100 episodes. I don't know how long it's taken this long to get you on, Tim. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're out on a charter and uh, it's bloody good to be out here and, and chat with you. Yeah, it's been great to finally meet you. Uh, after all these years of sponsoring you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, awesome. Um, can you tell people a little bit about this trip we're out on? Yeah, this is uh, a five-day charter trip that we try and do one, once or twice a year. Uh, it's a, you know, an opportunity for some of our staff to get out and spear some fish, and we take some paying customers with us and some guys like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. We're flying along for a ride. I really appreciate it. And I've had such a blast. Today was bloody awesome. Um, I, I've been uh, realising after day one, we went out for a morning session and um, we're all in dories. You're in a separate one and, and I'm in a separate one. And we come back and everyone puts their esky in and your guy's esky looked twice as full as mine. So I was like, you know what I'm doing next time? I'm following Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and today that strategy paid off. We ended up, I ended up landing on the fishiest spot I've found of the trip so far. So it was bloody good. Very good. Yeah. Mm. You should have, should have followed a bit closer this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you shot a couple of fish this morning that were pretty interesting. Um, and you knew what they were straight away, which is unusual because they're a rare sort of fish. Um Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, they were orange spot sea perch, which look very much like a mangrove jack. Um, they're fairly rare, and um, I've seen them twice in my life, and they were both times I've seen them were at Lamont Reef, mm -hmm. which is where we were today, so I, I was pretty sure I knew what they were. And um, the first time I came across them was in a Indo-Pacific competition, and the Tahitian team weighed one in, uh, and... Um, there was protests calling it a, a mangrove jack, but it wasn't. They were right. It was, it was a different genus. species, species, and uh, and that helped them win the win the comp. What are the identifying um, characteristics of this over a jack? Uh, it's got a bit bigger shoulder. Uh, it's got quite distinct orange spots on it. Uh, it looks much more like a nanny guy. Uh, that, okay. than, a, than a jack. But it, in a cave, it's hard to tell the difference when, you, when yeah. you're actually shooting it. Yeah. yeah. So Taylor shot the first one and then you pulled out the second one. His one was like 500 grams off the off the record. It was, so yeah. So it's a, a pretty, both a pretty impressive fish. Like yes. Yours was only yeah, three, 400 grams smaller than his, I think. It was, yeah. I think mine was you know, 4.1 kilo and mm -hmm. his was you know, 4.2 or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the record oh, okay. was 4.5, I think, from memory. Yeah, 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 something like that. Well, it was it was not much in it anyway, so it's pretty cool to feel like you're, you're tapping on the door of a record there, I guess. Have you, you've got a few records too, don't you? Yeah, quite a few. Um, I haven't checked lately whether, whether they're still current or not. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, a long time ago we used to chase records and, uh, and I managed to get quite a few Australian records. Um, probably one of my most notable uh, was a... A 9.9 .9 kilo long nose emperor. The, 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 yeah, right. Eh? Yeah, and that was um, probably about 15 years ago. Tell that us about that. Fish. Can you remember the store? Oh, Can you remember the situation? Yeah, I was out with Craig and Ralph Wally uh, out of Bundaberg. Um, I forget the name of the shoal, but it's near. Um, it's, it's a. It's the very bottom end of uh, the bunker group. What's what's that? Douglas? Uh, I don't know. No, no, that's north. Anyway, it, it was. I was out with Craig and Ralph Wally and uh, dived a very remote shoal and and uh, there was a school of them actually. The, those big long nose and I just dropped down on them and and managed to shoot one. Yeah, right. Eh? <laughs> was that a top down shot or was it a? No, it was it was 
it was a side shot. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So you dropped down sort of five, ten metres away and... Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Just, just chased it along and, and shot it. I'm looking forward to getting into a little bit of your hunting ideology. You're, um, but one thing sort of shines through, I think, on a personal level from a spearfishing point of view and possibly from a business point of view, and that's you seem like quite a competitive guy, but I'm not saying you're not wound up in that, but well, you know, you're know you pretty relaxed, but I can see you're quite competitive. Has that been something that's been with you forever? Probably, yeah. I, uh, I did really enjoy the competition spearing and um, that, that competitiveness uh, yeah, probably shone through there, but uh, in general, I just love spearfishing. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and now I'd probably rather just go and shoot a couple of good fish than, than uh, push myself yeah. Yeah. to the limit. <clears throat> so when did spearfishing start for you? I know um, Adreno's been around for 19 years. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, you've been spearing a lot longer than that. Um, tell us a little bit about getting started. Were you, you start in Brisbane? Yeah, yeah. I've lived in Brisbane all my life. And, uh, yeah, I, I suppose like most young kids, I started with a hand spear and, and a, a cheap spear gun uh, in my early teens. But it didn't really go anywhere. I just... Uh, yeah, I didn't have a circle of friends and didn't have a club and, and my parents weren't into it. So if you haven't got that support, you, you try it a few times and, and you sort of shoot a few Ludwig and yeah. and um, I managed to shoot a good flathead one day down at Byron Bay off the beach. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I was probably addicted after that. But then, you know, I didn't do it for quite a long time. I, I, I sort of recall attempting to do it and the, and the currents was wrong and the water was dirty and, and so I sort of basically gave up on that and... Uh, then in my uh, early 20s or mid-20s, my brother-in-law, uh, his name's Tim Lucas, he um, he gave me a call one Saturday and said, oh, I want to go over to uh, Amity to try and try and spear some fish. And uh. I remember you know, going with him to Whitworth and buying a round, round float yeah. and went back to his shed and we knocked up you know, a, a melted lead and, and moulded it to a stick and put the stick through this white round float and put a flag on top and and uh, got a couple of old woody spear guns and went out there and and uh, I shot a sombre sweep lead. Yeah, right, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and about two kilo sombre and yeah. I thought, oh, this is bloody unreal. This, yeah, this, yeah. This, what's such a big fish, you know? And uh, I don't remember eating it, actually, but um, I did take it home to eat it, but uh, I must have blanked that part out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the memories are sweet with yeah. age. And then, and then a couple of weeks after that, um, he gave me a call and said, oh, you should uh, try, uh, try this underwater hockey. I heard this, um, this underwater hockey going on at, at the Valley Pool, and he and I went on a Sunday afternoon and we played a bit of underwater hockey and uh, there I met a couple of club members that were okay. spearfishing and... Uh, Was that Brisbane Underwater Club members? Yeah, Brisbane Underwater stage? Adventurers Club. Okay. Yeah, yep. Mick McDade. Okay. Uh, and... Um, Is yeah. he still around, AUS? Yeah, yeah. yep. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was that was really where, where I got started and I'd probably say that my, my spearfishing started in 1994 mm. once I you know, joined a club and... And managed to get out spearfishing regularly, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's uh, from there. Uh, I started competition diving and uh, did reasonably well in the comp scene, you know, for a while. And uh, in 1997 uh, in Tasmania, I won the Australian Nationals. Yeah, so right. that was that was a, a big event. 
Yeah. And uh, that was pretty life-changing for me because yeah. uh, after winning the Nationals, I had to... Bit of notoriety. Well, I had to learn how to spearfish then. <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, I had the badge, but then I had to live up to it. So... Um, I, I guess it's fortuitous that you are competitive and you had been doing it a while, and then... But what what happened in the Tasmania comp? Did you get did you get lucky, or was it a bit of both? Was it a bit oh, of perseverance and a bit of look? What I was think um, you know probably one of the main reasons I ended up winning it was I put in a fair bit of work in reconnaissance with Tony Hugh, and okay. he he really had the the competition experience. He'd been doing it for a long time, yeah, and uh, basically pushed me out of my comfort zone and, and, you know, really had pretty high expectations of how much how much area I had to cover yeah. in a competition. And uh, so I had a pretty good game plan and then uh, then I had a fair bit of luck. I ended up shooting a, uh, uh, around a five kilo uh, Australian. Atlantic salmon. Atlantic and, salmon. And uh, they, were, they were farmed in, Victor- in uh, Tasmania and they still are. And uh, they've been escaping for farms from farms <laughs> for years, and I happened to find an escaped Atlantic salmon, which definitely helped my score. They, they gave me an extra extra points that uh, allowed me to beat Gunter Fringle. <laughs> 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 and he's been very dirty about it ever since. <laughs> Every dog has its day, though. Yeah. Um, so, um, and I guess at the same time, though, um, before before you started Adreno, um, the the spearfishing equipment scene was a little bit different as well. Yeah, well, uh, I suppose moving back a bit further than that, you know, I've come out of the motorcycle industry and my job at the time was repping motorcycle accessories. So just about every motorcycle shop in the country I'd been into selling them selling them gear and mm. or trying to sell them gear. And it was quite frustrating, you know, when you see these businesses that should be buying this product that you're trying to sell them, but they're too stupid to, to know it, you know, yeah. and, and they don't want to carry stock. They just want to, oh, no, I'll, I'll order it in when I need it. When a customer comes in, I'll, I'll order in for them. And trying to get through their heads that, look, no, you need to carry a range of product mm. and you need to have it there. You need all the sizes, you need all the colours and customers will come and they'll buy it and then you'll make profit. It doesn't work just having one size mm. and, and, a mar- and, and you'll order it in for them and have it there in two weeks' time. And then I realised in the dive industry it was the same. I mean, every dive shop in the country carried no stock. They were, they were hopeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, they carried no spearfishing equipment. They treated spearos like they were environmental vandals mm. uh, and sort of like spearos were the enemy. Yep. Uh, and so... Because a lot of spearing shops were sort of quasi-dive stores. Well, they, 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 oh, there was, there was no spearing shops. There was oh, a, right in, in Australia, there was only one. In, in Sydney, Ted Lauer uh, okay. had, had a, a spearfishing shop down there. And uh, Darren Shields had one in New Zealand, and that was it, basically, yeah. uh, for Australia and New Zealand. And uh, and both those guys were doing a reasonably good job. Um, and Darren's always done a good job in New Zealand. He's always he's been a mad keen Spiro, and he understands what they want and mm. and, and supplies the gear, you know, for them. But so in Australia, there was a massive hole. Really, they had all these uh, mum and pop scuba stores that that weren't interested in spearfishing. Uh, mm. And they only became interested in spearfishing when there was when they could make money out of it. And mm. for most of the time, they 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 treated us like we were we were the enemy. Second class citizens yeah, exactly. at best. Yeah. 
One yeah. one thing you want when you're starting spearfishing, particularly even and when you get experience, like those conversations you have about gear over a spearfishing store counter, whether it's Adreno or it's another specialist store, like those those conversations make a big difference in your in your in your development about how you think about gear and oh exactly you know, and um, it's very small progress over time a lot of the time. Yeah, and look, I think uh, Adreno has created a hell of a lot of spearos in this country. Mm. Uh, you know, literally thousands of people's lives have been changed mm. because they could actually access spearfishing gear, they could talk to professionals, they could learn where to go and where not to go, mm. what the rules were, what the bag limits were. We spent half our life just talking to people about what you can and can't do mm. and trying to, um, you know, give, um, you know, give our customers the opportunity to go and spearfish. Mm. And um, if if our customers can enjoy spearfishing as much as I have and, and it's been... You know, such a life-changing thing for me. Mm-hmm. It was, that was the other thing that, you know, when I took up underwater hockey and first started spearfishing, I'd just given up smoking after 10 years. Oh, yeah. And so it was like a real challenge for me um, not to go back to smoking and it was a real reason to, you know, try and get dive fit. And, yeah, so so it's definitely improved my health and, and my lifestyle, you know. It's been a What age did you give up smoking? 25. Oh, yeah, 25. Is it the same as me? Yeah, I smoked okay. for ten years, and okay. I gave up when I was twenty-four. Yeah. I read um, how to how to um, oh bloody uh, how to how to stop smoking by Alan Carr. Okay. And then uh, in the last page of the book, you smoke your last cigarette, and you're done. And uh, it's not a habit I miss. I still no. have nightmares about smoking cigarettes. <laughs> so I freaking right. never want to touch one ever again. No, exactly. Um, but yeah, did did um, so did you think that you were dealing with like um? Like damage in your in your in your respiratory system when you did start spinning? Definitely, or? yeah. yeah, there, yeah. Was, there was definitely damage, and mm. uh, it was probably it probably took a couple of years mm. before I started to feel like I was, mm. I'd, I'd, you know, I could notice a difference mm. and I could hold my breath longer and yeah. and recover. Recovery was a big thing, I think. Yeah. Uh, when I first started, the recovery was terrible. Mm-hmm. But mm. yeah, going back to, you know, how Adreno started, it was. Um, I'm in the motorcycle industry, I'm visiting these stores as a rep, I'm frustrated doing that, and I'm seeing that dive shops are just as bad as motorcycle shops, they carry nothing. Yep. And um, I decided to set up a little hobby business, uh, selling spearfishing gear. Yep. And I had a business partner at the time, um, Brett Machen, and he, he and I put in uh, $30,000 and uh, rented a little building and uh, put some spearfishing gear in. And that $30,000 is just primarily inventory? Yeah, that was all just inventory, yep. Yeah, right. Eh? And, um, it's a bold move. Yeah, it was, at the time, it was it was pretty gutsy, and we had a sales rep uh, from one of the dive wholesalers come and visit us, and uh, he said, oh, I've just been to Pro Dive at Milton, and mm. they've given you six months. You'll be, you'll be broke in six months. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I think they've been broke three times since then. But <laughs> <laughs> oh. Three different owners, and they're gone now. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I look at the scuba industry, and some they do some smart things and some silly things too. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's another big conversation about uh, philosophy, I guess, and your approach to the the marine environment. They've very much gone down a protectionist kind of agenda with regards to the marine environment, and I, I don't think hunting's an issue, and I never have. Um, even when I was scuba diving and I learnt to scuba dive in New Zealand, I was still trying to chase crayfish and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. I think you'll find in markets where you can hunt and gather on scuba, like like collect scallops and abalone and crays, that 
the diving market is much stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, so 19 years later, we've got uh, locations in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, and Perth, and an online distribution centre in mm-hmm. uh, in Fairfield, and it's still a family-owned business. We're not some big corporate-owned uh, company, not mm-hmm. owned by BCF or or Tackle World or anything, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and probably just the mark of your success was really sponsoring the New Spirit podcast. Like that, that, that really proved. Yeah, that, that was a pinnacle of our success. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's been good. And uh, this this trip's been a nice uh, little little add on after over a hundred episodes. So it's pretty cool. Um, what about like um, memorable fish for you? When you look back over the years, um, what's a fish that is a story that you tell over and over again, or, or something that um, you you maybe you think about a lot? Yeah, I, I think. Uh, my most memorable fish would probably be my 89 kilo yellowfin tuna that I shot at Ascension. Okay. That was a, a 50th birthday present for myself to do a trip with Rob Torelli and a, and a bunch of good guys, Adam yeah. Smith, and and um, we're all in our, you know, if not 50 that year, we were just about turned 50. And oh, you guys uh, are all similar ages, yeah, eh? Yeah. Okay. And uh, we all had an amazing trip and we all got one big tuna each and it was um it was just a an absolute pinnacle of of my spearfishing life i suppose and uh other than that probably a big sailfish which i shot in tonga with um with rob trolley okay uh that was a a pretty good fish this is haapai the middle island group Oh, I can't remember. I, so there's, there's like Tonga Tapu, which is the main one, and then there's uh, the Haapai group, and then and then you've got Vavau, which is the outer island yeah, group. Yeah, it was that middle group. Oh, yeah, yeah yep, yep, yep. And um, it's, it's interesting. Like, is, it, is it steep drop-offs there, like straight down into... Yeah, it was. Uh, this particular area that Rob knew, uh, there was just... I think we saw you know, 10 or 11 sailfish that week. So oh, wow. They were just thick. Yeah, yeah, quite thick. It was... Uh, an amazing hotspot for them, actually. So, how did that hunt work out? Or what was? Um, can you remember? Uh, I was using a borrowed gun, uh, which I don't like doing, but it was <laughs> it was a it was a big blue water cannon. Yeah. Um, it was one of the Collins guns, and uh, I um, yeah, I think it was four rubber, four rubber, yeah, ten mil shaft, slip tip, and uh, the first sailfish that swam in. I aimed the gun at it, and I shot below it by about a foot. Wow. And uh, I thought, okay, well, now I know what I've got to do. I've got to aim high. <laughs> yeah. And the next one that came in, I I aimed it at the fish and then lifted it by about a foot <laughs> and then fired and nailed it. <laughs> oh, you're right, eh? Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I really don't like using different guns. I, I, I'm very Yeah, you're stickler. very particular with yeah. your gear. Well, I mean, we're going to talk a bit about it in the Veterans Vault. Um and I, and I want to dig into that a little bit more. Um, do you have a pull test uh, equipment or have no. you ever done in the past? I have done it, but I ended up chipping the back of the pool a few too many times. <laughs> I sort of, Did you I, get yelled at? Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't factor in uh, mono stretch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, righto. <laughs> yeah, the, How much stretch do you get out of I like a know, single rep? but it might be... It might be... 10% or something? No, or? Yeah, it might be you know, 100 mil or 150 yeah, mil. Or yeah, yeah. It, maybe it's more than that. I, I've never really measured mm. it. But, yeah, yeah. But I was chipping the end of the pool and I shouldn't have been. Cheapest, <laughs> that's a good warning for everyone listening, yeah. I think. Just yeah. a factor in stretch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, your bungee obviously stretches, but you don't really think about mono giving you too much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah. 
Simple, accurate, deadly. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, and save $30 on any spear gun for a limited time only. Go to killshotspearguns.com, check them out for yourself. Handmade in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, or head into the shop and say, Crikey, mate. And apparently Ed will hook you up with a $30 discount on any timber spear gun. Get your hands on one, killshotspearguns.com. The Noobs Spirit Podcast, great content, fantastic guests, and uh, to go with that, we've got some free online courses by Ted Hardy at Immersion Freediving. Head over to noobspirit.com forward slash Ted and learn to take a bigger breath hold. Learn how to use your full chest to take down more fuel so that you can stay on the bottom for longer. Check it out, noobspirit.com forward slash Ted. Let's go into gear. Let's talk this the veterans' vault. So we're going to talk about real guns and uh, shaft overhang. It sounds a little bit like a, a religion question, shaft overhang. I've had some good debates about it over the yep. years. Um, reels. Um, why? When? Give us your sort of um, overview of how you think about reels when they're appropriate and when they're not. Yeah. Look, I think uh, I think a lot of young guys uh, look at look at really experienced Spiros and um, see that they're using reels and they want to imitate that and they think, oh, well, you know, I need to have a reel on my gun. The reality is um, reels are really quite dangerous and there's been a lot of people killed. Uh, we've had quite a few of our customers die uh, using reels. What really happens, you, you, you're, uh, you, you tend to actually dive deeper than you should and you tend to fight a fish on the bottom longer than you should, mm. and it's normally something going wrong. It's it's um, you know the the real uh, you get getting a muzzle wrap, yeah, and so it's not not spilling out, and then you've got this prize fish. You've just done a 25 meter dive to spear, yeah, and then you've got to drag it sideways up, and you're burning last year energy, and you black out and die. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a real trap. Um, you know reels. Um, you know, should be used by people that are very, very experienced. You know, yeah. you know, fifteen to twenty years experience should be wow. should be the mark for people who just want to spearfish using reels. And I'm talking spearfish deep, you know, thirty meter stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, I've got a few reel guns, and I normally take one in the boat with me. And they've got some really good uses. Uh, if you're say diving a, a shallow wreck that's in you know ten or fifteen meters of water. And, there's, and you know there's normally only one or two good fish there, you don't really want to be threading out your rig line and, um, and diving you know, in amongst wreck with your rig line. It, mm. it's, it's quite free and easy just to jump in with your real gun. Mm. And um, as long as you've got a buddy there with you as well, and um, it, you might shoot one, one good mangrove jack, mm. pull it out of the hole, and that's the only opportunity you get. Yeah, so yeah. if you're stuffing around too much, with a rig line. With a rig line, everything, you're just not going to get the opportunity. Or there could be a snapper on the sand beside the, the wreck, mm-hmm. which would be an ideal opportunity. But, um, yeah, I think using a reel for what it's supposed to be used for, um, in the shallows, around bommies, uh, so you can you know, swim through caves and that type of thing, that's yep. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, shooting young guys going out and trying to shoot fish in 25 metres of water when they're only just bounce diving 25, 25. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's really dangerous. They you need to you need to have things go wrong a thousand times so yeah. that you know how to act and you know how much time you got to, to save yourself basically. 
and uh, until you've had a thousand stuff ups, yeah. you really shouldn't be using a reel. It's just one more thing that can go wrong. Yeah, nice. And I, I've I've nearly blacked out. I had a uh, using a belt reel uh, in Western Australia in a competition. I shot a Samson fish, and it was only about fifteen meters. Uh, but the sambo went into a cave, and the line on my belt got tangled around a clip on my belt yep. and wasn't releasing. Yeah. And uh, I I had. Overstayed my bottom time already, waiting for the Samson fish to come in, yep. and then had a fairly big fight yep. uh, with it trying to drag it out of this cave. And um, and but luckily I ended up had the sense to drop my re- my belt, so I dropped yeah, the belt right. and made it up. And Jeez, uh, it cost me the comp, cost yeah. me that day because by the time I swam back to the big boat, borrowed another weight belt, went back. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was comp over. So, yeah, how many, so, so how, reels. How many guys actually let, let their weight belts go? Not you know, enough. Not enough people, I don't There's think. There's not enough, eh? Hey? Like, no. Uh, yeah, I'd be surprised to... I, I, I'd like to know how many divers have... Actually, like, if people are listening today, like, I have a little bit of a, a thread going in the Noob Spirit community on Facebook. I, I, I'd love to hear if you've ever released your weight belt um, because I, I don't know that... It's not even something that you really drill. Like you, you think about it when you buy it. You're like, oh yeah, quick release, blah blah. blah. Marseille, I just let it go. And yeah. but I don't know. I, like and then you hear the other ones where guys like if you if you think you're going to black out, then hold it in your hand as you go exactly. up. Exactly. I've done that plenty of times. Yeah, have it but in my it's hand not, ready it's to. It's not something I've drilled, and I haven't really even thought about it a lot recently. And it's I, yeah. one thing I notice when I'm diving with people, uh, and there's been a couple of people on this boat uh, that we're on now that their weight belt uh, has only only sticks out from the belt about three or four centimetres. Mm-hmm. There's not really enough room to go and grab grab a hold of it's in a hurry. It's not enough of a tag. Yeah, to grab get a handful of them. Yeah. Or if you, you're trying to rescue them, if they're blacked out and you're going to try and fumble around looking for a little little piece of belt to grab, yeah, yeah. Uh, it should be something that's drummed into us that you need at least, you know, a couple of hundred Six mil. inches yeah. overhang or something. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yep, so... Uh, I, I've got the full tag on mine because, like, sometimes I might travel overseas and I want to chuck heaps more weights on yes, as a thicker yeah. wetsuit. Or, yeah. And I just got used to just tucking it all in. It's not perfect, but, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes those little things that are sticking out, I guess they, they can spook fish. And sometimes guys get really pedantic with minimising every little thing that sticks out or, yeah. or whatever just to try and, you know, give them every opportunity to get within range of fish, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and look, if you're diving deep, if you're diving 30 metres, you need, everything counts. Uh, every, you know, everything, like where you have your knife positioned, what type of lead you use. Yeah. I, I don't know whether you've seen those leads that I designed, the, the, the ones that fit so snug into you that, and they don't move around your belt. Oh, yeah, So okay. they're, they're designed not to tangle rig line yep. or reels, and they're designed to fit as snug as possible so you're not, you know, dragging this lead. Hyd- that, that, hydrodynamic kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I don't know whether you've noticed, three-pound leads sort of hang backwards yeah. off you. Yeah. And so, that you know, they're not very hydrodynamic at all. Mm. And um, if you're diving 15 metres, it doesn't matter. Mm. But when you dive 30, everything matters. Or 40, it's even, it's super critical. One thing, like when I did the freedive training with Wayne, like he was like, "We're going to work on these five little things, and if you can improve them two percent, then you're going to add this much to your dive on the bottom." And it's like you, you know, you're geeking out on very small details. Uh, and 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 Taylor was, I was actually chatting with him recently about just, um, you know, that first ten that first 10 metres of your dive and what you do on the surface before, if you can get those little things right there, your whole dive will be better. Yes. But And I think that is the art of deep diving. It's concentrating on very small things to try and 
Yes. You know, maximise yeah. and improve other things, yeah. Yeah, so uh, about two years ago, I went to Y40 in Italy mm. and uh, uh, Alberto Palazzeres was there and uh, taught me how to how to dive to 40 metres. Yeah, right, eh? Yeah, after, after diving for 30 metres, someone, someone showed me how to do it properly. Yeah, right, eh? <laughs> and... Uh, it was interesting. It's when as soon as I did my first dive, he said, "You, you must be a Spiro." <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I said, "Yes." And he, and he said, "I said, how, how did you know?" And he said, "Oh, because you're looking sideways. You need to be looking. You know, you've got to have your head facing straight down." Yeah. And of course, that's true. And I know if ever I really want to dive deep, I'd know to tuck my head in, but I just wasn't instinctively doing it. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. I'm normally looking for fish. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to really break a depth record. I'm yeah. trying to <laughs> shoot the best fish. Mm-hmm. And so there's no good diving down there if you don't know where the fish are. Yeah. So I'm spending more time looking and less time focusing on... What's you your know, habit now with your head? Do you, do you, like if you're doing, say, a 25 metre dive, which is probably pretty average for you, um, when do you look up? Uh, I'll I'll keep it tucked in until I've until I'm in a serious free fall. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'll I'll really keep it tucked in until until I'm ten minutes from the bottom or so. Okay. Uh, and um, and the same on the way back up. I'll be focused, you know, on keeping straight and and. Uh, yeah. And and will you alter your line um, if you see if the fish that that you think you want to target, say it's ten meters off from where you were the point that you're actually headed towards, what will you do? What's typical for you? Yeah, depending on what type of fish, whether, you know, some fish don't react well to being chased or, or bomb dives. So, um, but if it's a bit of a docile fish, uh, I'll, I'll change my tack and, and yeah. go yeah. straight for it, uh, d- depending on what depth, of course, too. Yeah, if, yeah. if it's already at 30, uh, you know, I may not be changing my, my angle. Um, yeah. But... Um, you know, other fish, you know, react much better for you to, to be ignoring them and just keep mm-hmm. keep on your line and drop and then wait for them to come over. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... So, okay, so we're back onto the real guns. We've gotten into hunting, which is yep. a pleasant aside, but um, um, so the use case was um, shallow wrecks and, and bombies and caves and stuff, preferably yep. shallow water. Um, how do you... Do you use a belt reel still or... Uh, and how much line, line do you have on your normal gun reel? Yeah, I don't use a belt reel at all anymore. Uh, again, it's it's extra friction in the water. It's yep. it's affecting your hydrodynamics as well. Uh, so I've used one of the I've used one of the compact Rob Allen reels with about forty meters of dyneema on it. Okay. And uh, yeah, like today there was a case where Taylor was using the reel. Yep. And so was I. We we were at a, a an eighteen meter bomby. A little bit of current, so it was difficult difficult to sort of um, just stay in that one position with a rig line. And um, we were watching each other like a hawk, and um, you know, going one up, one down, and uh, into the into this cave. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So look, they're, they're very useful, but they're they're not a beginner item. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're something that you've really got to you cut your teeth on spear fishing with a re- with a rig line first. With regards to your salespeople and stuff, do you actively um, talk to them about what they promote and how they promote products? Probably not enough. Yeah, we've got I've got so many staff yeah, uh, yeah. that it's difficult to get to all of them. I probably should. Yeah, it would be. You know, it's something that I probably should spend more time doing. A lot of the nature of spearfishing is kind of self-education. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we don't have a structured 
training program like they do in scuba diving or even free diving. Yeah. We don't go, oh, you're a Spiro level one. Yes. You're a Spiro level two. Perhaps that would be a good thing, but I'm not here to push that agenda. Mm-hmm. But like there is, I don't know, some guys go miles ahead on the free diving side of things and then they're miles backwards on gear. Yes. And then they might be okay hunters and yes. or, or whatever it is. It's, it's weird to sort of like, yeah, I've, I've like again chatting with one one of your guys, like just talking about sort of how they ask questions to kind of find out where a person's at yes. before they give them advice. But I mean, you have to be quite experienced to even recognise where those lines are. Yeah, um, I've encouraged the, uh, a few of the staff to get together and come up with a, a spearfishing 101 basics course, mm. uh, just the absolute bare basics, and never underestimate how stupid people are. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people that come into the store have got absolutely no idea. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, actually, one, one thing, uh, mo- most people that buy their first reel to put on a spear gun think that the line actually, it gives them extra range because the, the spear just keeps going. Yeah, it's like a fishing yeah. line and then they yeah. reel it in every time they, sh- they fire it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's just little things like that that never, I mean, I mean, if people think that, they should definitely shouldn't be buying a reel. <laughs> yeah, a bit of background noise there, yeah. boys are on. Yeah. Uh, line fishing out the back. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I remember had, like, you just don't know what you don't know, you know. Yes. Like, I don't, have you yeah. ever been... Um, Showing that learning model, I think it comes out of the military. They they talk about unconscious incompetence, consciously incompetent, um, consciously competent, and then unconsciously competent. It's like you move through these phases. So, like, when you talk to really, really, really good Spiros, they don't even know what they know anymore. They just know it. Yes. And then... And, and obviously unconsciously incompetent people, they don't even know what they don't know. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then unconsciously, uh, consciously incompetent, it's like you, you, you're you aware that there's a knowledge gap yeah. and you, 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 do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, you understand yes. what you don't know yes. a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and I think sometimes, I mean, I talk to Spiros all the time about it and it's, it's bizarre how I face all these different situations. I guess in the store, you just have that 100 times every day. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, coming up with this, very basic, you know. Wayne Judge has helped uh, write write some of the, mm. the 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 content, but it's just a very very basic Spiro 101 course, mm. and uh, you know everyone should at least listen to that before they get their first hand spear and yeah, or spear yeah. and, and go and try and shoot a broom. You know, it's yeah. it's all pretty basic stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting you know, how many people just don't know how to load a spear gun. Mm. You know, it's uh, it's and, and there is so much information available on YouTube these days. I mean, it's not too hard to find information. If you yeah. if you went on YouTube and searched how do I load a, mm. uh, a rail gun, mm. there'd be hundreds of videos on how to do yeah. it. Yeah, but it's people just don't don't even think to that. Yeah, I I don't know. It's like I think with spearfishing, there's a hundred of those things, and then you go, oh yeah, I better learn how to load it. So then yeah. you maybe you learn how to load it watching a video, but then. You're not really sure how a um, speed spike works, yes. or how um, how the clips work, and um, the you know all of the stuff. You got to learn all of it. Yes. Like yep. I haven't seen a video yet that shows people um, this is a spear gun, and then it shows you pulling the trigger, and then it shoots a fish, and how it's all connected. Yes. And then how the gun's connected to a float on the surface, yes. and how that sort of system works. Yes. I mean, to most of us that have speared for a while, that's basic bananas, but yeah. for people that don't know, they don't even... We do get so many people coming in the shop that just want to buy a spear gun, Yeah. and they don't want anything else. But they, and it's like yeah, we... And then you say, okay, well, you've just bought a spear gun, and you, where are you spearing? Okay, well, down off this headland. Okay, mm. well, what if you drift out into 15 metres of water and you drop the spear gun? Mm. What do you do then? 
yeah, it's gone. It's gone <laughs> for good. You can only dive five metres. Yeah. Okay. You need that spear gun connected to a rope and to a float on the surface. So yep. if you drop it, you can you can retrieve it. And what happens if you shoot something big? Are you going to try and hang on and get dragged yeah. along or are you going to let oh, go? Should... And so, again, just talking them through those basics, mm-hmm. uh, they, they get it pretty quickly. Yeah, and yeah, They yeah. understand, okay. And then the, the other thing is uh, the safety of having a floating flag on the surface. Mm-hmm. It, but more of my friends have been killed by boats than by sharks. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, boats are really dangerous and I've had a couple of really, really close calls. Yeah. Very, very dangerous, you know, within a metre of death. Oh, wow. You know, at, twice, you know, yeah, it's happened to me. And, and you know, within five or ten metres of death numerous times. Two young guys got hit in Florida, um, like, just a month last month, and okay. one of them got killed and one of them was seriously maimed. Yeah. And they were just um, under the bridge poles. Yeah, wow. And someone's just gone roaring through and cleaned them both up. Yeah. And it, it still happens now. Melbourne, you hear about it every other day, um, near misses and stuff. And yeah. the, I mean, the, the dive flag inconsistency is a bit weird too. There's the American Alpha and then there's our one. Yes. And it's weird. Like, Should well, be a worldwide uh, flag. Standard. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. blue and white. You're on the ocean. Yeah. I just think Doesn't it's, sense, it's it? not. Nah, it doesn't. Whoever designed it. I don't know, maybe we just need to have a look. Why, why don't we adopt the American one? Well, they can they can adopt metric, and we'll we'll do their dive flag. How's that? <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> um, uh, um, shaft overhang. Let's get let's go religion. Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, there's been lots of debate about shaft overhang. I think that if you look at how Rife and Rob Allen guns come from the factory, uh, those overhangs. If, if you buy a gun factory with a factory overhang and, and that's all you use, mm. you'll never miss fish. Yep. Yep. You're, 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 most of the time you're shooting instinctively and you're shooting from eye to tip of spear and you know where that shaft goes. Yep. The minute you change that overhang, you're going to miss fish. Mm. So I know Rob Allen chooses his overhang based on a, a few reasons. One is that the longer the shaft, mm. there's more leverage to be able to bend it. Okay, so his philosophy is to have the shaft as short as you can possibly get away with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that you bend less shafts. Oh, okay. And so um, every 100 mil counts. Uh, just go, just backtracking a little bit. So Rob Allen comes out standard with 400 mil, but you, you're doing something a little bit different. Yeah, so because years ago, one of my early spear guns, I used a 500 overhang. Yeah. Um, when I got my first Rob Allen, I changed it to 500 so yeah. that I wouldn't miss fish. And since then, I've been lazy and always using a 500 mil overhang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the only change I'd make to a Rob Allen spear gun if I pick one off the shelf is actually lengthen the, the shaft by 100 mil. And it's because you've consistently got used to that. Exactly. And if you look in my garage, I've got, you know, 10 Rob Allen spear guns and they've all got a 500 overhang. Mm-hmm. So every single gun. And mm-hmm. if I, even if I use a roller gun, I'm still going to use a 500 overhang. Yeah. So the, um, there's, there's, you know, there's no reason why the factory should change what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, you're, if, you've got a, if you've got three or four guns in your cupboard at home and you're wondering why you're missing fish, the first place to look is what are all the overhangs on the spear guns look like. You know, have you got a rifle oh, with, yeah. a, with a 400 overhang and then have you got a Picasso with a, a 300 overhang uh, and then a Rob Allen with a 400 overhang? Well, they're all going to shoot differently. You know? So guys that have got a gun cabinet like that, do you recommend they just um, stick to one and sell off the rest or, yeah. or, or give them yeah. to their mates? or yeah. le- 
Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd suggest throw them in a bin and head down to an adrenaline store and, <laughs> and pull. Yeah, it, spear yeah. guns should be like golf clubs. Yeah. You, you, you need ten. Yeah. You need ten different ones. You need one for every occasion. Oh, you know? shameless plug. I love it. Yep. Um, and use the noob spear okay to save $20. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the way. But, um, yeah, look, on a serious matter, um, mm. you know, I think if you really want to consistently shoot accurately and shoot good fish, mm. you, sh- you probably need around three spear guns, mm. uh, depending on what state you're in or, or, or whereabouts in the world you are. You know, you need a spear gun that's, you know, 90 to one metres long. Mm. Uh, you need one that's 1.1 or 1.2, and then one that's 1.3 or 1.4. So mm. you need three guns as a basic, you know. Mm. I've, I've got them, all those gaps filled in and the numerous number of them, but that's, that's not necessary. Yeah, I, you should really... If you're trying to spear all fish with one type of gun, a one length of gun, you're really going to struggle yeah. uh, because if it's dirty water, you know, um, you know, deep dirty can't water. Track. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you can't track a big gun on the fish, mm. uh, or if you're in turbid water, you know, with white water. Yeah, yeah. You know, you really want something that's a bit more grunty and, and manoeuvrable. Yeah. You want a you want a one point one that's got you know grunted up. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think. Um, Overhang. Consistency. Consistency is the only yeah. message. You know, yeah, whatever you're used to, whatever you use, make it consistent through mm. and don't change. Mm. Okay, cool. And stick to one sort of handle and setup that you like. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And again, you know, a lot of my friends use rifle; they never miss fish. Yep. A lot of my friends use, you know, Picasso or or Pathos, and they never miss fish. It's what you adapt to, isn't it? It's what you adapt to, and it's what you consistently use. Yep. What about rollers? Have you played around with them? Uh, I've got rollers at home in my cupboard that I've taken out in boats about ten times and never fired a trigger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Again, I just you just like what you know. I just like what I know. Mm. Yeah, and I know they probably work well, mm. um, but I just haven't haven't needed to change. Yeah, like yeah. not as though I'm constantly shooting at fish and the shaft's falling short. Yeah, that yeah. just doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm shooting at fish and I hit them. Yeah, <laughs> so in some ways it's like a solution for a problem that you don't have. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like if it ain't fixed, you know, uh, yeah. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I have got quite a good blue water roller gun, which I do intend to use uh, in the Coral Sea in November. Okay. Uh, it's got a heavy shaft in it and one of my staff, Sam Cox, used that gun to shoot a, a big tuna, uh, okay. big yellowfin. And... Um, Yes, I'm pretty keen to try it on a doggy, where where that range can matter a bit, uh, but you still want plenty of grunt. Yeah, you want to, we want to smack it pretty hard, so uh, I'm going to give that a whirl then. Yeah, righto. All right, we'll have to get an update. Um, the other thing, yeah, and it sounds like it's maybe not even not a not a it's not something you've always done. It's your your rig line setup. Is that something you've always done, or is this a fairly recent sort of um, change to your setup? No, this this rig line setup. I've been using now for about 15 years. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, quite some time. Um, what it is is um, actually I, I got the, the idea of uh, Ray, watching what Ray Powell was using actually because he was using something similar at the time. Okay. It was uh, a long leader, 10 metres of mono, uh, a heavy-duty mono, and then to a small float, uh, and then his rig line attached to it. I probably adapted mine a little bit more because when you when you're spearing on the reef, and if you if you've got a 30 meter rig line and you've got a speed spike, 
and you've speed spiked and threaded your fish on that rig line, by the time the fish gets 30 metres behind you and it's hitting that float, it's too far away and yeah. sharks come and whack it all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, you, you know, you'd be, you'd be getting dragged backwards by sharks all the time. Mm -hmm. So after that happened to me a few times, I realised that, look, if you keep the fish, you know, 10 to 12 metres behind you, mm -hmm. uh, they very, very rarely get hit by sharks because they're, they're close enough to you that the sharks are a bit spooked off. Does that, that doesn't mean that they won't, but yeah. they're much less likely. And yeah. you've got more chance to, start to to protect the fish than to you can sort of quickly get back to it and um, you know fight off fight off the sharks uh, before they attack it. So so the rig line actually looks like now it's got the speed spike, it's got three millimeter uh, heavy duty mono. It's a blue mono, uh, and then it's connected to a one way fish stringer with wire cable. So yep. the fish travel very quickly down the the mono, go over the one way. Uh, can't flopper come can't come back, can't drop back down behind you. Yep. And then it's supported by the float. A, yeah, heavy duty. It's a trawler net float. Okay. That you can't compress, uh, and and then it's got a clip on that, so I can unclip both ends of that float. So if when I jump back on the boat, I can just unclip and drop the fish straight off. Yeah. It's very quick to get it <laughs> yeah. off. Or, or the boatie can just pull, grab my float line and pull it in and unclip my fish. And clip it back on, and I don't even you can notice keep you've diving. done it. I just keep diving. Just while you're on yeah. surface interval. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you don't have to call a boat over mm. and stop and wait mm. and throw the fish in. The fish is just floated down the down the line. It's on a bit of wire cable. Yeah. So if a shark does come and attack it, you're not going to lose all your rig. Yeah. And then that the second part of the rig is uh, a 20 meter or 15 meter uh, normal cord rig line. Okay. And I don't use those big garden hose stupid things that we sell. I hate them because <laughs> you, um, I like to be able to wrap my rig around my spear gun. Mm. Really important, and so many people don't Minimising do space yeah, and just and, no and, tangles. Yeah, and the amount of near accidents with boats with people's rig line getting you know, tangled the in their props mm. and then waves coming and washing them onto rocks and, mm. and whatnot. So it's far safer to, before you call a boat over or you, call, you signal the boat to come pick you up and you quickly wrap your gun up, rig up, float in your hand and there's pass it up and it's so much safer and easier do you and it's less mess on the boat yeah okay a small point do you cross weave your um, wrap or do you, like figure eight it or do you just um, do a clean loop I just clean loop it yeah. unless it's dropping off at the end and mm. I might figure eight it right at the top cool but you can't do that with those big garden hoses we sell you know? nah I, you've got to I don't even know what the point of them is well, that, there's, <laughs> there's, I know we sell them but I don't there's, know there's I don't not know much why friction and when you're pulling them behind you they just it's like they're not even there. They're the yeah. best thing to not, clo closest thing to not having one. Yeah, okay. But I think if you can just make the other stuff work for you, it's better. Yeah. I guess with the telecom rope and stuff too, people, like, if you don't know how to manage it and coil it properly and tie it off, yeah. you do get tangles. Um, but yeah. unless you do the gun trick and then you Yeah, don't. well, you, you never get tangles if you're wrapping mm. around the gun every time. Mm. But the, um, the other thing that is really helpful with that little float that's, you know, 10 or 12 metres above you as you're diving, and mine's bright yellow, is when I'm diving with a buddy and it's poor Viz, yep. he always knows where I am. He's, he sees what, what, where I'm dropping down. He can see me travelling along the bottom because he's following my yellow float that's, that's floating above me. Yeah. He knows where I'm going to surface. Yeah. So, yeah, real that, guns that, are bad for that. So real you just, guns are hopeless for that. You can't see where your mate yeah, is. Yeah, and you're trying to protect your buddy 
and you're looking, you're looking, you're scanning around, and all of a sudden he's tapping on the shoulder. He's come up behind you, and he's already on the surface, and you haven't even seen it. Yeah. And, it, and it, you feel so bad that you mm. haven't actually watched him surface. Yeah, yeah. So I've been, you know, talking to the guys that I dive with that use real guns about setting up a, a little 10-metre uh, pull-down float like that that they can actually take down with them, so at mm. least I can sort of watch them and track them on the bottom. Yeah. Uh, and then it's a, if they do get... Uh, if they do need to drop a gun too, it's so much easier to find the gun on the bottom. Yeah, well, it's a little bit buoyant. Yeah, exactly. Enough to pull the gun up because they're, well, they're maybe, nearly even neutral anyway. pull the gun up, at least it's got a marker yeah. uh, where the gun's on the bottom and there's two little floats yeah. above it. So, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Especially in a little bit of current too with some dirty dark water. Like um, you've got no chance of hiding it if a fish holds up on you and you don't get it. Yeah. Like even when you're in like um, 10 metres and um, a fish holds up on you but you've got significant current, that's a prick to get them out sometimes. Oh, yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, so Marcel, one of the guys I was diving with today, uh, he shot a fish and it holed up and it was quite strong current. And um, I had already been back and put a fish in the in the dory and uh, and got dropped off in front of the bombing and was drifting past. And I saw him there sort of struggling and he, had his, uh, he was just coming up from a dive and his spear was still in his cave and... and uh, I said, I need a hand. He said, yeah, I've already had 10 dives on this. Oh, shit. And so I dived down and looked in there and, and he had the mono wrapped around a bit of, bit of coral, but then the fish was up a hole and I stuck my hand up a hole and pulled it out and a, a big moray eel came out with it. <laughs> so the moray had pulled his fish up this yeah, hole and was hanging a, on. And he yeah. couldn't, that's why he couldn't sort of get it out. Anyway. Um, I've had some wrestles like that. <laughs> up yeah, here too, up here. You always yeah. get it up here. Like Tuskies over um, sand and rubble with a, and they swim into a rock and the eel gets hold of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, morays. Good them. fun. <laughs> they don't do, seem to do much damage to them by the time you get them out, though. Like oh, They'll be missing a bit of bark. And, yeah, yeah. Mm, mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's a special part of the world up here too, isn't it? It is. You like diving up here? I love it, yeah. I'm, I'm happiest when I'm on a reef trip. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a special part of the world, and we're very lucky to be able to dive here. You know, it's one well, of the, the largest marine national parks on the planet, mm. and um, and we're allowed to spear, you know, most of it. You know, mm. the, I think there's there's 25 percent complete no take, um, and they've got you know very strict bag limits and lots mm. of protected species and um, lots of lots of complete green zones. So it should be. Should be in good condition for yeah, many generations. This is um, the first sort of proper liverboard trip I've ever done, um, believe it or not. But um, it's about my thirtieth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm envious. I'm hoping to get maybe one in every year. I think because. Um, but one thing I've really enjoyed is the systems. Like we, you, we've got these two cryovac machines on board. We've got bags and markers, and every single fish is just dusted up. There's a team effort. The, the fish are all done and cared for immacula immaculately before they go on ice. The whole process is pretty painless. We have a laugh while we're doing it. 45 minutes, all the fish are stored in trays and, and we've got stuff to take back home to our families. That's as good a reading quality as we're experiencing while we're out here. I reckon that's friggin' awesome. Yeah, yeah mm. and that sure is. Mm. And, you know, you've seen me take a lot of care with all our fish. Mm, you know, mm, it's, mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we're here for. It's yeah. it's uh, respecting, respecting that mm. fish's life by... Mm. Preserving it as best we can and, and eating it. You yeah, know, like yeah. that's um, we're, we're not here trophy hunting. Mm. We're we're here getting good quality fish to mm. feed the family. 
What about other peculiarities with gear? So we talked about overhang and, and your approach to reels and rig lines. Um, is there anything else you do a little different than everyone else? I don't think so. Um, my normal you know, gear setup is pretty similar. Uh, rubber weight belt, which is a must. Um, we talked about your weights, just an unusual mould. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a, they're pressure die cast actually, so okay. that we could get a better shape out of them. Okay. The the die cost five thousand US dollars. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so <laughs> it was a big investment, you know, twenty years ago, nineteen years ago. Yeah. But it was one I really am proud that we did actually, and we've got two. We built two moulds for one for a five hundred gram, one for a one kilo. Oh, this is the Adreno weights? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah. use them. Yeah, yeah. they're bloody yeah. great. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're pressure die cast. You can't just pour ah. lead in there. Yeah, right. Eh? And we put an additive in there to harden the lead too so they don't, yeah. yeah Lose lead, their shape. Yeah, lead's very soft in its yeah. natural form. Um, mm. So they're a bit more expensive, but, yeah, they last you forever. Mm. And um, and they, they can save your life because they, they're so hydrodynamic. Yeah. I had a guy drop a weight belt on me. Uh, took him out in some surf. Oh. And uh, he, he wasn't super fit, and um, he's got smashed a bit and lost his mask and started cl trying to climb up onto this cliff face, and the swells pushed him off, and he was just panicking. And he's pulled my weight belt and lost it. <laughs> and I had six kilo of those uh, yeah. those nice Adreno weights on there with a, you know, 50 or $60 belt. But it ends up being like 120 bucks or more worth of weight belt, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's not something you want to let go, but when you think about it, yeah, it's 120 bucks. Yeah. But it's still 120 bucks, yeah, and it's yeah. like, yeah, but it's just one of those things, I think. Yeah. Yep. I'm glad he did it because he got it back in all right and we were all good and yep. maybe one day I'll go and try and recover it. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> with it on a flat swell day maybe. I love hearing stories like that. Kaching. <laughs> yeah, broken <laughs> shit. You just love it. <laughs> yeah, it means someone's coming in to buy something new. Spearing Magazine. Possibly the world's best spearfishing publication. It's a spearing mag for spearos by spearos. Part of the reason I like Spearing Magazine so much is because there's crazy stories from spearos just like you from all around the world. And it's what makes Spearing Magazine such a special publication. If you go to spearingmagazine.com, check out the article submissions page. There's a full guide to how to submit an article, but I would encourage you to do so because I want to read about your adventures and inspire everyone else to take on their next spearfishing adventure. That's at spearingmagazine.com. Something that I never put in my dive bag that I wish I had on hand is a flashlight. Every now and then I find a groovy cave or something, I want to get in the back and have a good look around. And I don't generally carry a flashlight in my dive bag or on my body when I'm diving. But there are a full range of flashlights over at Neptonics.com. Dig out those pesky whole fish or craze lobsters. Neptonics.com, tough spearfishing gear. Visit Neptonics.com, partners of the Noob Spare Podcast. Well, moving out of Veterans Vault, what about funny stuff? You've, um, you've done 30 of these trips. You must have seen oh. or experienced some pretty funny shit out here. Yeah, um, definitely some funny stories. Um, normally normally involving aquaborries or poo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, my favourite. Oh, yeah, there's been plenty of those. But look, oh, you know, one story I thought was pretty funny, uh, a competition out of Mackay. I forget, I'm not real good with all these names of different guys that I've met over the years, but 
there's this bloke on board who was a bit of a prankster and um, he got everyone's rig lines and started tying little granny knots in them, like hundreds of them, all the way out to oh, the reef. Oh, no. And when they turned up there to start this comp, uh, everyone's rig lines were in this bloody mess, you know. Anyway, <laughs> um, later in the... Uh, in the day, uh, mm. one of the blokes who was particularly pissed off, uh, he actually um, had his gun sitting on the bottom and he swam up to this bloke and said, oh, can I just borrow your gun for a minute? I just need to second shoot this fish. Yeah. And he swam down and shot a bloody a monster moray eel fair in, <laughs> fair in the gut. <laughs> and then swam away and left, him, <laughs> left the gun there and said, see, have fun with that. <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty uh, funny story. That is a pretty funny story. I like yeah. it. Um, what about what about scary stuff? Have you had um, have you had some times out in the ocean like oh, with a dive buddy or with? We've yeah. talked about about boats and I mean we've had some nice. Probably the scariest time you know I've ever had was um, diving in Greece. Actually, uh, I had a couple of near boat instances over there. Uh, twice I was actually on the bottom and boats looking up and boats big boats went over the top of me. Wow. I stayed on the bottom and let them go over. Um, but, you know, on an island called Hedra, um, at the end of the trip, I'd met this bloke who, who took me right around the back of the island. And there was only the two of us. And he, he dropped me in and he said, it was quite windy. And he said, I'll go and, you know, uh, anchor the boat out of the wind here. Mm. Anyway, he disappeared. I couldn't even see where he was. Mm. But I was on this bit of a point. And um, it was quite interesting, interesting structure. Uh, it dropped down to a about a twenty metre plateau, and then and then off the twenty metres down to about thirty five metres mm. uh, below that. And when, when I dived down to the twenty metre plateau, I, I sort of looked over the edge and I could see four or five big groper. That's their prize yeah. fish. Yeah, big groper. They, they were sort of three to five kilo groper. Oh, nice. And uh, but there was quite a bit of current, and uh, and I didn't have a real gun. And my rig line was only 20 metres long. Oh. So, uh, so it was a bit of a challenge. Uh, so I, I swam back to the shallows and tied up my rig. And uh, then I, you know, swam to the side of that ledge and breathed up really well and dropped down the side and sort of came down to that 30-odd metre. Well, I was at 33 metres when I shot a five-kilo groper. And um, and then I had to swim up with it with no reel, so I yeah. had to drag it up. And um, I'm dragging it up, dragging it up, dragging it up, and then I hear this hum of a boat coming. Oh, And I, I'm shit. dragging it up, dragging it up, and I hit the surface, and a water taxi missed me by about a metre, doing full noise. It was, I absolutely, you know, shat myself. Because yeah. I, I was almost ready to black out. I mean, yeah. I was seeing stars and, and to have that happen. Yeah, it, it was crazy stuff. It was crazy stuff. And so that was my last dive in Greece. Yeah. Uh, so I was, still had two or three more days. I could have dived, but I said, mm. no. Yeah. Yeah, I've never told my wife that story either. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was crazy stuff. I, I, it was, had no one there to protect me. You know, uh, Diving depth. Diving depth. And you know, shitty boat traffic. Yeah, with boat traffic, it just sucks, you know. So... Mm. Um, yeah, uh, big lesson there, you know, and and, and that's why that's why the groper were there, mm-hmm. because no one else was stupid enough to bloody dive there, probably because they the locals probably knew that that that, that there's boats boat going past there all the time, but we I hadn't seen a boat there for an hour and a half to two hours, so yeah. 
Uh, it might have been Sunday morning or something that I was there. <laughs> but anyway, it, it's um, it's uh, it's all a learning experience. And so, what um, were your big takeaways? So, local knowledge. Yeah. It's a boat, boating hotspot. Yep. What else? And um, yeah, I suppose you know, make sure you got the the right equipment to, to dive something like that too. You shouldn't just be diving it without yeah. it without a reel or any or a rig line. You know. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, that'd be my main. Takeaways from that. Mm. It was a good fish, but how <laughs> big <laughs> yeah, it was! It was a good fish. Sometimes the ones you work for the hardest yeah, or whatever yeah, they are the yeah. ones that taste the best. Yeah. yeah. Um. Like yeah. Mm. I, I think I told you about my friend's twenty-one point seven meter moorwong the other day. Like, okay. He loved that fish though. <laughs> <laughs> this is the deepest thing he's ever yeah. shot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. But, um, but I've had. So many shark encounters, you sort of lose track of them. They all turn into a bit of a blur after a while. Um, mm. you, know, it's, you know, I've had quite a few, you know, sharks charging in and, you know, needing to mm. poke them away with your spear gun. That's sort of an everyday occurrence mm. on some of the reefs that we spear. Yeah. And Ascension Island, actually, um, it was just incredible how many sharks, sharks were there when we were shooting the, the big tuna mm. that had only just turned up. Like talking to the locals, you know, three months earlier, there was no such thing as sharks there. They, they just didn't exist. And it was like they, they just suddenly appeared from nowhere. Um, they were those big Galapagos sharks and they were, they were hungry and they were stupid. Like they, you, most sharks had three or four puck marks on them from uh, where, where you'd have push them away. You know, like yeah, like the tip of your spear had sort of given them a, like a just little white dot no, on them. No fear of injury. Yeah, they weren't, they, they wouldn't worry them. Like you'd no. poke them away and they'd come straight back in. And so we were quite often, three or four of us back to back in a circle, mm. just poking away sharks, trying to get some burley down, but the burley was going about three metres below us and getting eaten by this swarm of bloody sharks. Noel Cameron was on that trip and I and he shot a monster yellow tail. It would have gone over 100 kilos. I think it went over 100 kilos even with the shark bites taken out of yeah, it. Yeah, wow. Yep. And um, I, I, so I've seen, and that's actually in the, in the show notes for Noel Cameron's old interview, I've got a picture of that tuna yes. and it's just chewed out. I like, think I've think I got a, one of those photos too. Yeah. I've got a photo, I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You were on the trip and yeah. uh, so, so yeah, were a we few other We weren't actually guys. diving with them. There was, um, yeah, there was, there was three or four operators at the time, and uh, there was a bit of overlap. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so so they weren't in our group, but okay. they were they were there at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I mean, we're, we're going to wrap it up. I want to do some um, some faster paced sort of questions with you. Are, you. are you ready? Yep. Um, who's been the most influential person or people when you're spearfishing? Hmm. Well, I have to say my brother-in-law because he got me into it. Yeah, right, eh? <laughs> he, he jokes about telling everyone that he, he taught me everything he knew. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, well, it didn't take long. <laughs> those, those, first list, those first people that show you the ropes, eh? You, you do yeah. appreciate them and it's yeah. stuck with you this long. Exactly. Um, if you had one species or and or location um, to dive... Well, it's a dream destination for you or dream fish, what, what, what would that be? Well, I've never shot a barra Mundi, so that's definitely on my list. Ooh. I need to shoot a barra. Um, I, I probably haven't tried hard enough. It's one of those fish that, you know, you're sort of, you're always going to get around to, but you don't. Uh, so I'd love to shoot a barra. But my favourite fish to shoot is probably uh, Spanish mackerel. I love shooting mackerel. Yep. I'll never get sick of shooting mackerel. Mm-hmm. 
Love eating them. Love yeah, shooting me too. them. Love hunting them. Oh. If you could describe this spearfishing experience to you and what it means to you in one sentence, um, how, how would you do so? Exhilarating. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, that feeling you get when you're coming up from a dive, when you're feeling, oh, this, that feels terrible. You know, yeah, but then one minute later, like you can't wait to go again. You've got that, <laughs> you know that uh, the oxygen back in the brain, and you're you're pumped and excited. You're seeing what's going on down there. Mm-hmm. So you go from this sort of feeling of near death to to euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the full bag, that's for sure. Yes. Um, last question. Um, how do you relax when you get stressed in the water? Uh, good question. Uh, really, just focus on the breathing. You know, before I got a dive watch, uh, I used to, which was, you know, probably the first 10 years of my spearfishing, I used to count every breath. So I'd count every breath, and then I used to count as I'd count every equalise. Oh, okay. And so, you know, if I had to equalise 15 times, I knew I was getting bloody deep. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and so if I had to equalise 15 times, I'd have to breathe, yeah, at least 15 long, slow, deep breaths before I'd go again. Very, very poor you know, metrics to work on compared yeah. with a dive watch. And, and actually, if I could give one bit of advice to newbies starting, one of the most important pieces of equipment you can actually buy is a good dive watch. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's critical to be able to continually improve. Yep. And it's, it's critical to, for your safety to make sure you're getting enough time on the surface. Mm-hmm. Because when you are a bit excited and you've just you know, done a... 15-minute dive and you saw a fish, saw a great fish, or you you have just got your spear stuck in a hole, and you're back on the surface and you and you're quickly breathing up. It's critical that you you stay that mm. two to three minutes on the surface, depending mm. on how deep you're going, before you go again. And it's uh, they save lives. Mm. Yeah, That's it's awesome. yeah. Um, actually, I'm going to give you one more question. Um, what what's the future of Adrena? Where, where to from here? Well, I think. Uh, yeah, we'll just continue to try and try and improve and do things better. Uh, no real ambition to have any more stores in Australia. I think we've got a really good base of stores in the in good locations, and they're all great stores with great staff. Yeah, we're focusing on just improving our product range all the time and, and getting better at that. You know, I've considered opening a store in New Zealand. I've been over, had a look. I think. I think uh, Darren and Ocean Hunter do a pretty good job there. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're leaving, you know, I don't think they're neglecting their customers too much. Mm-hmm. So there's probably no need for me to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, maybe uh, a store in Florida one day. I think yeah. that is a long-term dream to open a, a store over there or maybe a mm-hmm. couple of stores. Mm-hmm. Cool. So cool. Uh, watch this space. Yeah, cool. Um, if people want to reach out and get in touch with you, how can they do so? Um, call or email Taylor at Adreno. <laughs> Are you, you're on social media? Yeah, I am, but not much. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. yeah. So if they want to reach out to me, they can just contact the shop. And, um, yeah. All right. I'm not big on emails. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the scourge. I don't mind any odd email, though. And generally, the emails I get are. Just stoked people that love spearing, so it's all good. But um, no, fantastic chatting with you, Tim, and uh, we'll catch up again. Again, thank you for sponsoring the podcast for so long, and um, 
having a ball on this trip and uh, and you know the people that work for you, you know 90, 98% of them are just really good yeah. apart from just the Taylor bloke really <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, very yeah. good no, my yeah. pleasure and it's been uh, great uh, listening to your episodes and what a journey yeah, yeah for sure yeah, great work keep it up That is a wrap. Very cool to chat up with the founder of the uh, Adreno Spearfishing Company that have been supporting the show since about episode 19. And uh, they've been along board the whole time for the show. So if you want to check out spearfishing.com.au, you can always use that code NoobSpirit to save $20 on every purchase over $200. It's absolutely uh, a pleasure to get Tim on the show finally. And uh, hey, you guys are going to be excited because next week I chatted with another two blokes that were on board the boat. Back to basics, boys. Stricken as. And, uh, jeepers, these two were even cooler in real life than they are in their channel. I really enjoyed them and their mate Anzac as well. Just had an absolute ball with them. And uh, if you want to check out some of what these guys do, then Az has got another podcast called Yarns with Az and Taz. And uh, it's him and another bloke. They're both spearers. They don't just talk spearfishing. They just chat about life in the Northern Territory. Um family farms fishing spearing and they're just funny blokes check it out yarns with as and taz but hey i'll see you in a week for back to basics stricken as love it this episode of the noobsphere podcast is brought to you in partnership with neptonics neptonics creates designs and manufactures the best gear to land your fish of a lifetime visit neptonics.com and use the code noob10 to save 10% off storewide, N-O-O-B-1-0 at neptonics.com. Partners of the New Sphere Podcast. Four strong reasons to shop at spearfishing.com.au. They have a price beat guarantee on any Australian price for spearfishing equipment if they stock it. $15 flat rate shipping across Australia. They've got a 30-day hassles-free returns policy and... You can save 20 bucks on every purchase over 200 by using the code NoobSpirit at checkout when you shop online. Added to that, if you order gear online, it arrives quickly. It's very well packaged. It's a literal no-brainer if you're a spear in Australia. Shop at spearfishing.com.au. Use the code NoobSpirit and save. <laughs>